Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I feel the red wave coming. It's coming around the bend. And we've been splishing and splashing since we don't know when. Well, let's send them all to prison. That's where they belong. And we'll keep the red wave flowing until the evil's gone. It's high noon for Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator, or you can join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm occasionally on Gab at I'm your moderator, and the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. Also, if you happen to listen to the podcast on the Apple Podcasts app and you haven't done so before, take two seconds, go on over, leave the show a five-star rating, and write a little review if you can. What a big help that would be. Today is the 125th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party to the point where just having him as president brings the United States down to such a level that we have movie star wrestlers apologizing to the Chinese Communist Party and its supporters for saying that Taiwan 
is a country and not some wayward Chinese province, which is about to be returned to the homeland. He apologized, John Cena, to the Chinese Communist Party, just like creepy Uncle Joe. Joe Biden is also the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. And of course, I'm talking about Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. Everyone tells you the world is exactly the way they tell you you want it to be. Just like you always wanted. Now, it's important for me to welcome all of the redeemable communists out there who may have wandered into the wrong room or put in the wrong AirPods, and now suddenly you hear this? I know it's not what you signed up for. You didn't want to be mocked and ridiculed. And the truth is, I don't want to be doing it, but you're communists. And so you kind of deserve it. But that's just because of all the stupid and evil ideas you hold in your head. And I know you never intended it. You think you're a good person. You also think you're a smart person because you have a piece of paper that says so. But that's not how it is. And someone has to tell you, did I want it to be me? Eh, kind of I did. I kind of did. I have to be honest. I do like mocking commies. But again, that's because communism is the stupidest idea ever. And it is supported by the most evil people ever. And that's really where the rub is, commies. And I know, I know you think that's wrong. You think there's no way that that person who supports Trump and believes the big lie could be telling me that I'm stupid and evil. But you're the one who's spending the day celebrating the death of a black man who ate too much fentanyl while trying to pass a bill that he knew was counterfeit. That man also has a history of rampant criminal behavior and drug abuse, including robbing a pregnant woman with a gun held to her belly. But you're celebrating the anniversary of his death. And why are you celebrating the anniversary of the death of a black man? Well, it's because you're so not racist that that black man dying gave you an entirely new opportunity to show the entire world how not racist you are. And you did that by continuing to justify rampant violence against innocent people and their businesses. And I know that I've talked about this before, but years ago, man, it was probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. Now I heard someone say, or maybe I read somewhere, I don't remember, but that a smart person can rationalize anything. 
And I used to think about that and kind of take it as a warning to myself to make sure that the reasons and the justifications I was giving for a behavior or a thought that I might have were actually legitimate. And it wasn't just me trying to think of these convoluted ways that I could do whatever I wanted without feeling guilty about it because I had a justification for it. And I don't think that everyone takes it that way. I think that what we have are people who are more than happy to not even make a strong case about why the things they're doing are okay. They will make the weakest possible case. I talked to so many people in Los Angeles last year who thought that all of the violence in these riots was justified. And of course, we saw it repeated all over the media. People like Nicole Hannah-Jones, people talking about how destruction of property is not violence, about how the protests are mostly peaceful, and that regardless, the need for these protests was so great and they were so long overdue. So even when protesters were filling water balloons with their own feces to throw at police officers and freezing water bottles so that the ice in the water bottle could be used as a projectile, but otherwise not be considered a weapon if they got stopped, or they would take laser pens and shine the lasers in the eyes of the officers at the Portland courthouse, the Portland federal building, so that they could burn out the officers' retinas. All of that was said to be okay because these are people who are legitimately, righteously angry, and this is just how they act out. That is a justification for violence. And it's violence they choose and they instigate. It's not defensive violence. And while they might believe that they're getting revenge on police officers for all of the violence they've caused, that's not a justification either. And part of the reason it's not is because the premise is false. So they can't even back up the things that they're saying, but all of these things, the collection of these things gets used interchangeably as a rationalization for that violence. And the thing about being able to rationalize anything is that then you permit yourself to do anything. If you can rationalize the darkest, deepest evils that we see right now, then you can find a way to fundamentally support the inaction of those evils. People know that censorship is evil. People know that exploiting racism is evil. People know that creating bioweapons and then lying about it for 18 months is evil. People know that forcing other people to cover their faces for no reason is evil. 
People know that vaccine passports are evil. People know that having a government and corporations work in conjunction to censor people is evil. People know that the government in coordination with corporations tracking their every thought and movement is evil. But they justify it anyway. Why? Because the science says so. But that's not the real reason. Just like none of these people believe that masks actually stop the disease. Masks still serve a purpose for them, though, even though they know they don't work. And the purpose they serve is the same purpose that a football uniform serves in a football game. It says, hey, guys, I'm on your team. And hey, other guys, I'm not on your team. That's why they still wear them. Because the masks do work for that and for nothing else. And the problem with that, when you're talking about a philosophy like communism that by definition has no limiting principles, is that there's also no end to the evil. They just keep rationalizing it. And so the evil continues until good people stand up and have the courage to say that evil is, in fact, evil. And you're going to call it what it is, and you're going to accept the consequences of speaking up. That's the point we have to get to. If you allow evil to persist, it will persist. And all of these things that were called a conspiracy theory a few months ago or a year ago, turns out they're not a conspiracy. And we don't even need to wonder because there actually is a model for this in the real world. We are not different from China in our current construction, right? The Democrat Communist Party right now is in charge, ostensibly, obviously, the entire re regime is illegitimate and it will be removed. I'm not going back on that at all. But there is no material difference between the Democrat communist regime in America and the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party is a model for global communism. It is directly in line with the global reset agenda. And this country is moving that direction behind it, okay? So we don't need to conspire or theorize about what the future might hold. We literally have a model for it. This is the exact same principle as the way the communists always talk about California. California is a model for the nation. California is a model for the nation. The culture, they want to export it everywhere. The laws, they want to export it everywhere. You can see other states follow California's lead when it comes to cultural Marxism and when it comes to the embrace of global communism. We see other states following California's lead. Therefore, California is a model. Now, when they, when they say that, they're assuming that all the very smart people will agree that that's a good model. On the other hand, it is also a warning. We can see the example of what the bad thing is. We need to stop it. So when we see it in China, 
It's the same principle. Okay? We know California is leading the United States in that direction. We know China is leading California in that direction. And all of them are down with the global reset. So if you want to think I'm wrong, then explain this. Today in Breitbart, headline, China arrests three for allegedly insulting dead rice scientist. Police in China arrested three people over the weekend for allegedly posting remarks online deemed insulting to late Chinese agronomist Yuan Longping, credited by the Chinese Communist Party with curbing famine in the country. And I don't need to go on. But three people were arrested for insulting a dead scientist. And why would they do that? Is it because this dead scientist is some sort of deity? He's Allah and can't be insulted? Without punishing the people who insulted him online? No, of course not. They're being censored and punished because the story they're trying to tell could put into doubt One of the stories that the Chinese Communist Party depends on for its legitimacy in the world. They take credit for the fact that they have ended the famine. Strange how many famines there are in communist countries, isn't it? Are we to imagine that the U.S. couldn't go that direction? It's already illegal on the social media sites to fully criticize Anthony Fauci. You'll be fact-checked. If you do it enough, you'll be banned like I was. So how long do we go in that direction? That's the question, redeemable commies. And you see, the thing is, every time you justify the stuff that you can see is wrong, you participate In that evil. You don't get to wash your hands of it. It's not compassionate. You're not understanding people who aren't like you. You're not being non-judgmental. None of the excuses you give yourself for supporting the worst things you see actually work. You're not required in any way to rationalize or justify these things. And the thought that holding your side to account would mean that you're giving away something to the other side also does not excuse you. The goal in life should not be to make sure that Donald Trump and his supporters are punished all the time forever for things you make up. That's not the goal. The goal is for you to live a worthwhile moral life. And if you are saying that there's a reason why it's okay to throw human feces at police officers and burn out people's eyes with lasers 
then you are complicit in that evil, period. There is nothing else. That is a choice that you make. You are the one justifying violence. It's important to understand that, communists, because you need to contend with that before you're ready to join America again. And what you ultimately have to admit is that you're doing it so that you can maintain your membership in the party of false decorum. You want the people around you who you feel the need to impress to understand that you're one of the good guys. And no matter what, you refuse to relinquish that. You are so concerned about your job or your standing with people that you refuse to tell the truth. You refuse to even admit the truth. And when it comes to people in your life, that means two things. First, that you don't trust or value them enough to speak truth to them which is insulting to them. And you should understand that that's what you're doing when you lie and when you silence yourself while they're engaged in evil. And it says that, you know, deep down those people you think are close to you will leave you in an instant. If you defy the party, if you stop repeating the slogans, you're finished. The people closest to you in your life act this way to you. And you think, ah, well, that's okay. I just, you know, I don't want to upset them. It's going to make things difficult. Like, what am I going to do at cocktail parties if this person says bad things to me while I'm in the opposite corner of the room? I know what you're thinking. I've had those thoughts. I know these people. But that's the point at which you should realize what you're protecting is not your pure moral soul. And it's not your reputation. And ultimately, it's not even your self-image, though you think it is. What you're protecting is your position within that little micro society you've constructed. If people can't accept what you actually think, then they cannot accept you. And if the cost of admission into their little society, and if the price of friendship is you being complicit in evil, you really should think about the sort of people you're trying to impress. But hey, what do I know? Celebrating the one-year anniversary of a black man's death because it enhances your image to do so, that could be, that could be good on some planet. <laughs> it's not this one. Or maybe some alternate universe, you know like the one where Joe Biden is president. But let's change subjects. So today, Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, one of the most corrupt and compromised journalists in the country, 
a person who is really just absolutely scraping the bottom of the barrel. She appears on CNN as a political analyst. This matters. Understanding where coronavirus and how the pandemic began matters. A lot of the discussion about the lab leak, I think, was clouded early on because there was the suggestion by some that it was somehow a Chinese weapon that, that caused this. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a lab accident. But we've come a long way from people dismissing this as a conspiracy theory to a lot of people taking this seriously, Maggie. We have, John. And look, I do think it's important to remember that part of the issue when this was first being reported on and discussed back a few months after the pandemic had begun was that then-President Trump and Mike Pompeo, uh, the uh, Secretary of State, both suggested they had seen evidence that this was formed in a lab, and they also suggested it was not released on purpose, but they refused to release the evidence showing what it was. And so because of that, that made this instantly political. I think that it was, you know, example 1000 when the Trump administration learned that when you have burned your own credibility over and over again, people are not immediately going to believe you, especially in an election year. However, that does not mean it's not worth discussing. There has been a sort of persistent, albeit relatively quiet, focus on whether that was the origin of the virus. And it is compounded by the fact that uh, there are, have not been clear answers from Chinese officials about it and that investigators trying to find out the origin have been stymied. So I do think we're in a different period of this, John. But I also think it's important to remember because I think it's getting reframed in, in a way that's just not true to what happened. I don't mean here. I right. mean in this, this broader debate by Trump supporters about what happened when this was originally raised. I think a lot of people want just answers at this point. It is important. Right. That's right. That's right. Got that? So the problem with the coronavirus lab theory a year ago was that Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo were the ones saying it. And everybody knows you can't trust them. I mean, they've burned their credibility with the media so many times. Oh, with the American people, I mean. It's totally the American people who thought that they were not credible. And how did they get that idea? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the media. That's Maggie Haberman. One wonders what it might have been like if the media hadn't spent five years trying to prove that everything Donald Trump said was either stupid or dishonest. You can go back through so many issues and so many statements and find how often Donald Trump was exactly right about what he was saying and was telling the truth about what he is saying and that the media lied about it anyway, which is exactly what happened here. Now, she says that Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo failed to provide the evidence. Does anyone believe that? Does anyone believe that it's the media's responsibility to throw up their hands and say, oh, well, Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo didn't give us the evidence that we want. Therefore, the thing they're saying is a conspiracy theory, and we'd better censor anyone who questions that. That's not what responsible media does. They're journalists, aren't they? Couldn't they dig around for the information and present it all and see if there was a convincing case to be made there in opposition to the fact that there is zero evidence anywhere 
that the virus came from an animal, a bat or a pangolin at the Wuhan wet market? There is no evidence of that. It was just a statement that was made. And then people like Anthony Fauci came out and said, yeah, you know, we've looked at the virus and the way the virus is constructed, it really seems like it must have come from nature. Okay, well, how did it change in a year then? Did you get new the science, Anthony? And the thing is, Mike Pompeo's even come out and say, said this, and he knows, by the way, that it's true because he was in meetings with Fauci. This was actually a thing that was going on in the administration. They were talking about these sorts of things. So if he knows that he and Donald Trump both have the same evidence that Anthony Fauci's seen, and Fauci is out there saying there's no way that the virus could have come from a lab, he knows Anthony Fauci's lying. And Donald Trump knew Anthony Fauci is lying. And everyone who bothered looking into it knew that Anthony Fauci was lying. The only people who didn't know that are the people who get all their information from official sources and from Maggie Haberman media types. You could even hear Jen Psaki in her press conference yesterday talking about how the investigation needs to be done by the WHO. You know, we really need to get our partners in the WHO to investigate this further. That's what we need. <laughs> A year later, the WHO fully compromised by China does China's bidding, just like creepy old Joe Biden. That WHO needs to go back in and redo the investigation that they already did in two days, courtesy of Peter Daszak, where they said that the Wuhan lab theory is not convincing at all. There's really just no evidence. There's no reason for any smart person to believe this. I mean, if you want to base things on evidence and the science. Is that what a responsible administration will be doing? They would be encouraging an international body that they know is run by the Chinese to go in and do the review that should have been done 18 months ago. And yes, 18 months ago, late 2019. This is how long they've known. Of course, that's not what we need. We need Americans to go in and find out what happened. But that's not going to happen under the enfeebled usurper of the free world, Joe Biden. Why? Because he's fully compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. Joe Biden has no ability to stand up to our greatest adversary, which is why people like me have been harping on this fact for a year now. And that's portraying this in the most generous possible light to China. We might find out that the real answer is that this was in fact created as a bioweapon and it was intentionally released. Do I know that to be true? No, I don't. It's possible that it was just a lab leak. Because, you know, science is so responsible that they would never create a bioweapon 
for the Chinese Communist Party and then allow the Chinese Communist Party to release it on the world. It must have been just a simple leak because scientists are so good and so responsible that they could never allow the Chinese Communist Party to create a bioweapon and release it. They could only allow their scientific experiment to go horribly wrong and allow the virus to escape from the lab. You know, because scientists are so good and so responsible. And you got to remember, they're smarter than everyone else. I said a year ago, I began saying a year ago, that our response to the coronavirus is the greatest failure morally, politically, and scientifically in the history of the world. And it is. Knowing where the virus came from seems to be the most basic necessary fact one would need to properly respond to the problem. It wasn't us who didn't want to get that answer. That was Anthony Fauci and the public health community and the media. That media also completely run by the Chinese Communist Party and, of course, our own CIA. But they didn't care about the answer. And they were happy not to care about the answer because they knew that the story they were telling would be more beneficial for their political goals primarily to get Donald Trump out of office and to scare the public into complicity with whatever they said and to destroy the economy and to destroy small business. Why? So that they could usher in universal basic income and create a permanent underclass whose needs they don't need to worry about. Hey, we're giving you this money. If you can't figure out how to spend it and have a nice life, that's not our problem. We gave you the money. Our hands are clean. But the other option is actually much, much darker. And that's that a bioweapon was created in a bioweapons lab. Funded. With American tax dollars. By the NIH. And the NIAID. And that. It's Dr. Fauci. And it's also possible that that bioweapon was released intentionally. And so the media has turned now to saying that it's okay to talk about the Wuhan lab origin and that it's obviously the most likely answer. That's what the consensus is becoming now. Of course, we all knew this over a year ago. They made sure that the American public would not understand this inevitable fact for a year. And of course, that hindered our response in massive, important ways. Because if there was any intentionality to this at all by the Chinese Communist Party and by potentially other parties that stood to benefit from this, and you can start with Anthony Fauci, but it certainly doesn't end there. It was beneficial for them to let that lie go unchecked. Which means all of them played into the hands 
of the Chinese Communist Party as they engaged in acts of war against the United States. That is critically important information for our country to defend itself from the Chinese Communist Party and global communism. And they took a pass on it. They said, this doesn't matter. We're just going to go with masks. We're going to go with lockdowns. Strange, isn't it, that their proposed solutions were right in line with all of their goals and that none of those solutions actually did anything to deal with the real problem. Is that a conspiracy? You want to call that a conspiracy now in May of 2021? That's a conspiracy? I don't think so. In the past, in a rational society, there are countless narratives about the coronavirus that by themselves, were they to blow up, would create a massive scandal and everyone would know about it. And we as a society would be seeking to punish those responsible and hold them accountable. But that went right out the window. Take, for example, the PCR tests. The creator of the PCR tests said they weren't useful for this function. And not only did we use them, we intentionally used them improperly, setting the cycle thresholds too high so that they would pick up dead virus and overly inflate the cases. We made a case just be a positive test. We tested people everywhere. They would be tested when they come into the hospital for a broken leg. And then at the high cycle threshold for the PCR tests, they would pick up some dead virus and be counted positive as a positive coronavirus case. And then the hospital would get paid for that. $18,000, I believe. And if someone died, it was 36000 And then we changed the definition of what a coronavirus death was, it was anyone who died within 60 days of receiving a positive coronavirus test, knowing full well that the PCR cycle threshold was still in play. And so a car accident, a heart attack, whatever, a murder, that's all a COVID death. And so we counted the cases high and we counted the deaths high We inflated the hell out of the numbers to scare everybody into doing whatever they want, all of us to do. And as a society, instead of recognizing those things and immediately snapping back to the position of, hey, we actually have a country to fortify here in a time of war, we pretended that all of these stories actually constituted the science and therefore we must follow it. If the CDC says we have to do something, then by God, we have to do it. That is until the CDC says something we don't like. And then in that case, it's safer if we continue doing what we were doing anyway. And rather than all of these things being scandals that would wake the public up and say, hey, something's really not right here. We just accepted all of it 
And there are still people that fight for these myths and argue for these myths and they hate other people because those people won't agree with them about these myths. That's how we responded to a potential act of war from another country. And we still pretend that these people are leaders. They're not leaders. They let us into ruin. Now, one of these people who has led us into ruin is Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And Attorney Matthew DiPerno has sent a letter now to Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. At the beginning of May 2021, Governor Gretchen Whitmer chartered a private plane, a Gulfstream G280, to fly to Florida. She initially stated that she took the trip to visit her father. This was not entirely true. Then she stated that a nonprofit corporation paid for the flight. This turned out to be largely false. In reality, the corporation named Michigan Transition 2019 that paid $27,521 for the trip is actually controlled by Whitmer. We later learned that the company hired to fly Whitmer did not have proper certification to fly a charter plane. An FAA spokesperson said, we confirmed Air Eagle doesn't have a Part 135 certificate. The federal agency says it is too premature to conclude that a violation of federal aviation regulations occurred. The FAA is looking into the matter. I'm sure they'll have a conclusion to that investigation so soon. Further, the Fox 2 Detroit article states that we have also learned the governor may not have followed the guidelines by the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. She encouraged others to follow. After she returned from Florida, Whitmer, who was not vaccinated at the time, didn't self-quarantine for seven days and appeared at a press conference days later. The advocacy group Americans for Public Trust has filed an ethics complaint with the Michigan State Board of Ethics against Whitmer for the flight, detailing that the $27,000 price tag being footed by Whitmer and her nonprofit Michigan Transition 2019 violated multiple facets of Michigan State Ethics Act, including prohibitions against receiving gifts and engaging in personal activities due to her status as governor. Yesterday, on May 23, 2021, the story broke that Whitmer once again violated her own guidelines when she visited an East Lansing bar to drink fish bowls of alcohol with 13 of her friends. After she was caught, and only after, she apologized. The group shot of 13 individuals violates Whitmer's restaurant capacity order issued May 15th on gathering limitations for entertainment establishments, recreational establishments, and food service establishments. Part B, gatherings are prohibited at food service establishments, whether indoor or outdoor, unless consumption of food or beverages is permitted only in a designated dining area where patrons are seated. Groups of patrons are separated by at least six feet and no more than six patrons are seated together at a table, booth or group of fixed seats and groups of patrons do not intermingle. Got that? That basically means if you go to a restaurant, you have to be vaccinated and you are allowed to sit with six people at one table. That's it. Any more. And it's not allowed. You're also not allowed to go visit with people at other tables because that's science. Whitmer clearly operates under the do as I say, not as I do principle. Indeed, Michigan still has epidemic orders barring vaccinated people from gathering around tables in restaurants. 
The current state limit is six. Clearly, the governor doesn't perceive much of a threat from vaccinated people gathering indoors in close proximity in groups larger than six. Perhaps one of the lessons that public health experts and future government leaders should take from this experience is that quarantine restrictions should only be enacted and enforced if those making the decisions on quarantine restrictions are willing to live under them as well. Because the American experience from 2020 and 2021 is that many, many elected officials believe those restrictions were only for the little people. Ironically, just days after Whitmer was caught in violation of her own rules, she rescinded her rule in an attempt to clear herself of her own violation. We will be able to sing at church, dance at weddings, cheer at games, hug each other and laugh together, Whitmer said. I know that is welcome news to so many. Yes, all the people who aren't you, the people who actually obeyed your orders and chose not to do this stuff the entire time while you did it. Whitmer's conduct is a crime. Common law misconduct in office is defined as corrupt behavior by an officer in the exercise of the duties of his office or while acting under color of his office. MCL 750.505 is the statutory gateway to a criminal penalty for a common law crime and provides any person who shall commit any indictable offense at the common law for the punishment of which no provision is expressly made by any statute of this state shall be guilty of a felony punishable by imprisonment in the state prison, not more than five years or by a fine of not more than $10,000 or both in the discretion of the court. The basic elements of misconduct in office are as follows. One, the person must be a public officer. Two, the conduct must be an exercise of the duties of the office or done under the color of the office. Three, the acts were malfeasance or misfeasance. And four, the acts must be corrupt behavior. One, Whitmer holds a public office. A public officer is distinguished from an employee in the greater importance, dignity, and independence of his position in being required to take an official oath and perhaps to give an official bond. Further, the Constitution and statute create this public office. Two, Whitmer was acting under the color of the law. A governor's powers confirmed and duties discharged are defined. The governor's executive power is vested in the governor, and certainly the office has permanency and continuity. I have heard multiple attorneys in your office argue that actions taken by an elected official are always under color of law. If you have any doubts, this is a question for the jury. Further, Whitmer does not have immunity for her conduct. Three, Whitmer committed malfeasance, an act that is itself wrongful or misfeasance, a lawful act in a wrongful manner. Whitmer has violated her own rules that she imposes on others and then lies about her conduct. And wrongfulness is the standard. In People versus Hardick, for example, a police officer took a sergeant's promotional test after he had reviewed advanced copies of the test. The Court of Appeals affirmed that the trial court's bench ruling that he committed misconduct in office after he made deliberate and knowing use of an advanced copy of a test to assist him in taking the sergeant's examination and thereby improperly obtained a promotion. The Court of Appeals held that the defendant violated the duties of his office by possessing test material in advance of the exam, by failing to report that he had such access, and by failing to avoid conduct on becoming an officer. There is no crime for cheating on a test, but it is still wrongful and supported a conviction for misconduct in office. So too here. Whitmer's actions are misconduct in office. Indeed, as the governor, Whitmer has a fiduciary relationship, including a duty of honesty and integrity to her constituents, as well as her colleagues in government. And he goes on to cite 
precedent on that. Here, Whitmer's violation of the public trust and lies to her constituents breached her fiduciary duty of integrity. Four, Whitmer acted with corrupt intent. The element of a corrupt intent is related to the malfeasance element. The evidence need only show corrupt intent or a sense of depravity, perversion, or taint. The Court of Appeals expanded on this definition in People v. Kotu. Pursuant to the definitions, a corrupt intent can be shown where there is intentional or purposeful misbehavior or wrongful conduct pertaining to requirements and duties of office by an officer. It is corrupt for an officer purposely to violate the duties of his office. See also Hardrick 258. The definition of corrupt intent is quite broad. It is corrupt for an officer purposely to violate the duties of his office. As just discussed, Whitmer's conduct here was intentional or purposeful misbehavior or wrongful conduct pertaining to the duties of her office. She has imposed her will on the Michigan people, which has caused financial devastation on many businesses and families. Yet she has refused to follow her own rules. Her hypocrisy satisfies the very definition of corrupt intent because it constitutes a sense of depravity, perversion, or taint. I am curious if you will prosecute this crime or if you will let Whitmer off the hook because she is a Democrat and your friend. For that reason, you must appoint a special prosecuting attorney without bias and with no connection to Whitmer or your office. I look forward to hearing from you. If you are unclear how to write the felony indictment, feel free to use this letter as template. <laughs> That's some gangster shit, man. I love Matt DiPerno. This dude is on the side of the good. There is no question about that. We need to see a lot more of this and a lot more people like this who are willing to stand up and take it to the people in power. Gretchen Whitmer is as bad as they get. She is equally as bad as Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo and all of the corrupt people who hid the truth about the coronavirus and are hiding the truth about the election. We need to make sure that these people are held accountable, that everyone knows and accepts what they have done. Because all of this stuff they did is about to come back and bite them. Now let's check in on the New Hampshire audit, and then we have a piece from none other than Ewanon Palmer getting back in business at Newsweek. Finally. This update on New Hampshire appears at the Gateway Pundit, a guest post by Dr. Dave Strang. We are in the final stretch of the audit of the Wyndham, New Hampshire election anomaly, which is scheduled to end this Thursday, May 27th. So far, this much we know. We do have a machine problem here in New Hampshire, as folds in the absentee ballots can cause our machines to erroneously record a vote if the fold goes through the oval for a candidate. In hindsight, it was no coincidence that all four of the Republican candidates who were shorted votes were shorted almost the exact same amount, approximately 300 votes. What was a coincidence was the candidate who improperly gained votes, Christy St. Laurent, also gained a multiple of 100 when it was discovered that she had incorrectly received an extra 99 votes. It appears that the discovery of the fold crease issue was due to the unique position of the New Hampshire House of Representatives race on the ballot being right at the junction of the middle and lower third of the ballot where a crease could cause this issue. 
Because the New Hampshire House race is on the same area of the page in each town, we have looked at machine tape results from several other communities, but have not seen the same error rate. What we have seen, though, is that many towns have the have bizarre date and time stamps on their machine tapes. Two towns, Londonderry and Amherst, set one of their machines to zero and counted ballots on October 17th and October 23rd, respectively, 17 and 11 days before the election. Yes, an incorrectly set time clock could account for this. But why is this an issue in two of the four towns we have checked? Also, on several of the other Londonderry machines, they set the machine to zero around 11 p.m., four hours after the polls closed, when all ballots should have already been entered into the machines. Then they ran final tally tapes three hours later. Were there observers from each party still in the room when this was done, many hours after the polls had closed? This is also not the only machine problem we have discovered, as not all four of the Wyndham machines incorrectly read a crease through candidates' oval as a vote. In fact, of the four Wyndham machines, the one that was purchased last, and is therefore the newest, was the one that miscounted votes the most. It was also discovered that this machine is one out of the four that has gone the longest without being calibrated. So the activities at the audit on Monday and Tuesday are designed to look at the innards of these four machines to see if dust or electronic issues can be causing the difference between these machines. Although the cause of the vote discrepancy does not appear to be due to fraud, that does not absolve the Secretary of State for his lack of curiosity in explaining this abnormality when he dismissed the discrepancy, stating it didn't change the outcome of the election. It also does not excuse the attorney general for refusing to look into this issue either. Both of these state officials should be ashamed of their track record in this matter, only investigating when forced to do so by the New Hampshire legislature. So what does New Hampshire do going forward? If we decide to continue with machine voting, should we keep these dinosaurs of a voting machine? Why is it that the newest window machine had the most errors? We have been told by the analysts that because they are so old, they are much harder to corrupt. If we keep them... Do we stop folding absentee ballots and put them in larger manila envelopes so they can stay flat? Or if we continue with folding, do we hand count folded absentee ballots instead? Did other New Hampshire communities also experience flawed machine counting? My sense is that there is a growing dissatisfaction with machine counting of citizens' votes, and as the decision to machine count versus hand count is made by each town, I suspect there will be a growing din from New Hampshire citizens to cast aside electronic voting and return to the trusted hand count method. It's only what England, Canada, and Australia do for their federal elections. Do they know something we don't? Apparently, they do. Now, I got to say, these New Hampshire auditors are doing a pretty good job of exposing the fact that something was very messed up, but also doing it in such a way as to make it seem like it's no one's fault and it's no big deal and we've got it. We can correct it. We can figure out the whole machine thing, and then we're good to go. No. I put up a video on the info stream a couple weeks ago, and I'll try to find it again and put it up again. But it was from somewhere between 2007 and 2009, if memory serves. It was the New Hampshire, the current New Hampshire Secretary of State, basically on video refusing to explain why a... Massive sum of ballots had been moved into an unsecured room from the vault where they were supposed to be kept. It was after hours. He was just caught dead to rights on video, and he said nothing about it. 
He just had a blank look in his eyes and said, there's nothing to worry about. This is just what we do. The person was asking him, like, well, why don't you leave them in the vaults? Oh, this is just what we do. They're secure here, too. There's a secure uh, code on this door right here. You can only access it with a card. So we know who comes in and comes out. And the person taping him was like, well, yeah, but there's also that other room, that other door over there into the room that doesn't have that. And he's just standing there like, oh, well, these people are thoroughly corrupt. And this is one of those situations where they can find something bad in this little town in New Hampshire and everyone can pretend it's not a big deal and that this is the only legitimate audit. So the other audits are completely illegitimate, you know, because they're called cyber ninjas. This one is legitimate and this only found this one little problem. So the truth is, it's really not a problem anywhere. And just forget about voter fraud. Forget about election fraud. Forget about the big lie. Okay, it wasn't a big lie here in New Hampshire, but there's a perfectly legitimate excuse that has nothing to do with us trying to obviously steal this election that we stole. Donald Trump won by a lot. Well over 10 million votes. He won the popular vote. He won the Electoral College. You're going to see it. Don't have to believe me. It's going to happen. Donald Trump got more votes than Biden's fake vote count. That's how many votes he got. And Joe Biden got as many votes as you would expect Joe Biden to get based on all the past elections with total losers as candidate. He got less than Hillary Clinton. He got less than Barack Obama. And I bet he got less than Mitt Romney. Joe Biden is an absolute zero. Which is why he couldn't get anyone to show up anywhere. I cannot wait until Donald Trump comes out and starts doing his rallies again. And America is forced to look at the fact that right now, Donald Trump can draw 50,000 people, 100,000 people, no problem. He can just type up a little message from the desk of Donald Trump send it out to the world and tens of thousands of people will be there wherever he tells them to be. Why? Because he's still the president. And wait, before we get to you anon, I want to make sure to highlight another awesome drop by James O'Keefe and everyone should go watch that video. It's on the info stream t.me slash I'm your moderator posted it yesterday in the evening I think they released it at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So it's something within the next 15 or 20 minutes after that. But this latest video features two Facebook whistleblowers discussing Facebook's operation and the algorithm and other methods they're using to make sure that people expressing vaccine hesitancy will not be seen by any of their friends or any of their followers. The algorithm won't delete the post. The person's post won't be taken down. Just no one gets to see it. And they actually have a tiered system where certain people are perceived as bigger threats than others. And their posts have less leeway. I bet you I was one of those because I had famous followers and I didn't have a ton of them. But I had enough, enough that they could tell 
that I was influencing people. So I got shut down. But that's all right. And you should all go watch the clip from War Room this morning with Dr. Shiva on. He is dealing with Twitter and the government in Massachusetts, I believe. As they conspired to make sure that he, as a political candidate, could, got, could not get his message out. And it sounds like he is going to have a really groundbreaking, precedent-setting case. And I can't wait to see where it goes, especially as a person who was intentionally censored by the government of California and have the evidence because of the FOIA that Judicial Watch pulled. Can't wait. So now to UAnon in Newsweek. Everyone go watch the Project Veritas video. Go subscribe to Project Veritas's channel on Telegram. Stay up to date with it. James O'Keefe is doing incredible work and an incredible service for the American people. So UAnon today, alleged QAnon supporter Amy Facinello refuses to resign from school board amid protests. What a bad person. She sounds terrible. A protest has taken place outside a school in Michigan against a school board member accused of following the QAnon conspiracy theory. Got that? There is a protest happening at a school over a person who was accused of following something that does not exist in any of the ways that UAnon might understand it. A group of students, retired teachers, and other members of the local community attended the demonstration against Amy Facinello outside Grand Blanc High School on Monday. A group? How big was the group? Can't wait to find out. Facinello, who took office in January after being elected to the Grand, Grand Blanc's Board of Education in 2020 with more than 10,000 votes, is accused of being a supporter of the radical movement, which believes there exists a secret cabal of satanic pedophiles who torture and eat children as well as a host of other falsehoods. I love how he describes it the same way every time. None of these people have learned anything in years. It's so pathetic. Her apparent Twitter account promoting a... Wait, you don't even know if it's really her account? Her apparent Twitter account promoting a range of conspiracy theories and using QAnon phrases such as digital soldiers was discovered by Lucas Hartwell, a high school senior in Grand Blanc. Facinello was also featured in a Time magazine article entitled QAnon candidates are winning local elections. Can they be stopped in April? So I guess she's a bad person. A group of around 100 people chanted get her out during Monday's demonstration with a smaller group of counter protesters also shouting Amy's here to stay in support of Facinello reported M live. Oh, wow. QAnon isn't even reporting this on his own. Hartwell and Patty Duffy, a retired public school teacher and professor at Mott Community College, are planning a recall attempt in August when Facinello becomes eligible over her alleged support of QAnon. If people had known what she really stood for, I do not believe she would have been elected at all, Hartwell told WJRT. What we have is a situation where someone who is completely detached from the reality we live in is making choices related to children's lives. And that's something that I just cannot go on board with. It's not something I can stand for. Speaking to Michigan Radio, Duffy added, how can decisions be made when one of the persons making the decisions believes in something totally different than reality? What? It's not like she's saying that masks work. 
Linda Cook, Facinello's mother, is one of those who turned up at the counter protest in support of her daughter. Cook defended Facinello as someone who loves children and does the right thing while criticizing the high school students for not being informed enough. She has two master's degrees and a bachelor's degree. Students should support her, she told M Live. Speaking to Michigan, mid-Michigan now, Facinello denied that she is an advocate for QAnon and said the outrage surrounding her is just because she supports Donald Trump. They just want to cancel Trump supporters. That's what I think it is, said Facinello. What they're doing is they're calling us QAnon conspiracy theorists if we disagree with their views. Facinello added that she has no plans to resign from the Board of Education. Hartwell said the protest against her has nothing to do with silencing her views. He told MidMichigan Now, this is not a Republican issue. This is not a Democrat issue. This is not a third party issue. This is looking at the fact that we have a conspiracy theorist on the board and looking at the fact that this is dangerous. Yeah, you sound real put together, guy. Facinello previously said she will not resign from her role while discussing the Time article she featured in. She's QAnon Palmer cannot write. I am fixing so many of his grammar mistakes on the fly, and every now and then they still get me. So let's try it again. Facinello previously said she will not resign from her role while discussing the Time article she features in during an April 26th school board meeting. I can assure you all this has only reconfirmed my commitment to this position, and I intend to stay right here advocating for what's best for the parents and students, she said, reported the Grand Blanc view. I plan on serving out my full six-year term. The Grand Blanc Board of Education has been contacted for comment. What a story, Yunan. You are doing the Lord's work. This is just exceptional reporting. Good for Amy Facinello. This is so stupid. She supports Donald Trump and she once said digital soldiers. So that makes her a QAnon conspiracy theorist. And then that makes her dangerous. And I love when they say this is not a Republican issue. This is not a Democrat issue. This is not a third party issue. We all know the QAnon is just so dangerous that even if you say digital soldiers, you might someday take part in a very violent insurrection that is determined to overthrow democracy. <laughs> These people are in such intense pain. I actually feel for them in some way. They think that everyone else is detached from reality while they are telling little children to cover their faces for a disease they almost definitely won't get and completely definitely will not kill them. And the solution is to do something that absolutely does not help them. And we are detached from reality. These people are sociopaths. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. 
Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. It's hell!